0: so here's a question for you i wonder if you've ever had someone come up to you and ask why do we even celebrate christmas we're going to answer that question today and help you answer it in a meaningful way to a child this is john fuller and welcome to this week's episode of the christmas stories podcast I'm joined by the entertaining, energetic, enthusiastic Diane Angolia, Woo. and uh, Diane, you love kids I and you have some great ideas. How are you doing today?
1: I am doing so great, and I just left the top of the slide where I was monitoring the I'm for sorry, the, the top children. of the slide, mm-hmm.
0: explain for our listeners. Over in the
1: Welcome Center, we have a three-story slide, and we have to make sure the children are safe, safety first, so I was at the top helping the kids go down the slide, which is the funnest thing in the world because they tell you the funniest story things that you've ever heard Yeah, in your life. you
0: hear a lot of good stories. Uh, come up with one or two that you can share to oh, us.
1: Oh, I can right off the top of my head. Two little kids. They were probably five and six, and the little boy was so polite as he was helping the little girl in front of him and get her bag on and sit down on the slide, and she gets all ready, and the little boy is looking right in my eyes, and he goes, I'm going to marry her. <laughs> and the little girl looks yes. up at me with a disgust, and she goes, nah And down the slide, she disappears. And the little boy gets ready, sits down, looks up at me, and he goes, oh, yeah, I'm going to marry her. I hope they come back in 20 years. That'd be a great story That to hear. would be amazing.
0: Thank you for that uh, ministry that you have to the children of the families who come to our campus here in Colorado Springs. And if you, our dear listener, have never been here, make sure you make plans now to join us sometime in the coming year. Now, Diane, a couple of weeks ago, you shared your recipe for some cookies you like to bake. Um, pizzelles? No, no,
1: pizzale.
0: Pizzale.
1: Pizzale. It means little pizza because oh. they're these flat little things that actually look like snowflakes. That's
0: right. Yeah. And I wonder if you have any additional Christmas traditions that involve baking, but particularly. That involve kids.
1: They do, and especially the pit sales. I have to go back to that because we you can only make those two at a time because they're in an iron. So you've got this giant bowl of dough, and you have to roll it in a ball and put it in the iron, close the iron, count to 10, open the iron, take them out, and then do it again. Well, they would take hours because we would make hundreds of these cookies. They are a much-looked-for treat. So our neighbors and our friends are waiting for their giant Plate of pit sales, which means you have to make hundreds you got to make a them. lot of them. Oh, I've already started. Yes. So I have to get <laughs> – uh, no, I'm not kidding. And they freeze beautifully, so they're in the freezer now because I have to get planning for the amount of people that are waiting. Where's my pizzelles? I may be
0: out the week of Christmas, so I'll look for my plate sometime before then just saying sure so i you know i grew up in wisconsin and i think some of the most fun holiday times for me they weren't necessarily around any one particular activity just a general memory of going sledding days of being able to go sledding in the wisconsin snow there was a great hill nearby i could walk to and we'd do that until our cheeks were about frozen off and then we'd come inside and drink hot chocolate it's just a built-in memory for me that i'll never forget and uh, by the way Speaking of cookies, we're going to put Diane's pizza cookie recipe online. <laughs> what is it again? Pizzale. sale. We're going to have that online at focusonthefamily.com slash Christmas stories.
1: You know, John, you were talking about doing sledding. I grew up in Southern California. So our idea was not sledding, but collecting tumbleweeds. And we would pile those up to make snowmen on our front lawn. I never quite understood why in school we had to cut out snowflakes and hang them from the ceiling of the classroom. Because Santa's in Bermuda shorts. So, you know, you're killing me here with <laughs> the all snow snores. It's I yeah, guess. exactly.
0: Well, now speaking of memories and kids and Christmas, I mentioned earlier that we're going to help you explain the true meaning of Christmas. And Phil Vischer is one of the best people I know to do that. Phil, of course, started VeggieTales. And um, he is really an historian on this. Uh, Christmas is really a big deal to him. And I think you'll find this really informative. All right, so Phil, since early October, my kids have had Christmas wish lists posted in the kitchen. Really, and they're long lists. Wow! Now we're not—is that mes- something that you've
2: taught them to no, do? Absolutely, Is it do you the opposite. Of Let's what do it we've taught sooner, kids. Why, no. why
0: wait so long, kids? My wife and I have worked so hard to make Christmas not about <laughs> stuff. Um, am I a bad parent? Uh, no, you're not a bad oh, parent. You. It's
2: impossible to really avoid that without, you know, packing up the kids and moving to a desert island. You know, it's it's impossible to avoid that. And what we have to recognize, because we, we feel like all this materialism has encroached on Christmas, you know, and we assume it's just like in the last, I don't know, 10 years, 20 years. Yeah, it's all
0: advertising's fault, right? It's
2: all advertising or TV or something like that. Uh, Christmas... You go back 100 years, the first people to make a really big deal out of Christmas in North America, a really big deal, were department stores. Hmm. Okay, Churches didn't put on Christmas pageants. That wasn't part of the culture. 100, 150 years ago, it wasn't the Super Bowl of holidays yet. It's become the Super Bowl of holidays yeah. really just in the last 100 years. And the biggest driver, the ones that put the huge choirs together and started putting on these huge pageants, were department stores, not churches, because they saw the material benefit of it. So Christmas, being the size it is in America, really was driven by the materialism.
0: Okay, now, but back to my question. Yeah, your so kids. So I've tried really hard not to make it about stuff, <laughs> and in early October, they're already saying, here's what I would like to get for Christmas. So, yeah. I, I mean, there, this yeah. is a frustrating holiday for yeah. a lot of us, because that's not what I want, but that's what they're getting from friends and culture and just being kids right
2: right. christmas is is a very complicated holiday because it was actually two holidays that we put together it was christ's mass which was the, the you know in europe in the old country it was the catholic mass that celebrated the birth of jesus once a year but we combined it with saint nicholas day and saint nicholas day was kids favorite feast day because saint nicholas would come the night before saint nicholas day it was december 6th in europe Uh, St. Nicholas would come the night before, and if you were good, he would drop presents, Hmm. drop toys and cookies into your shoes. Okay. If you were Dutch, it was into your wooden shoes. If you were German, it was into your stockings. And so that was a whole separate thing. So there were two different holidays. There was Christ's Mass, which was about Jesus' birthday. Very religious. Yes. And people didn't give gifts. That wasn't gift-giving isn't a part of Christ's Mass. It's a part of St. Nicholas Day. And it got messed up during the Protestant Reformation when we decided we're going to throw away everything that's Catholic. Hmm. And so we threw away the saints. So we threw away St. Nicholas. But kids love that tradition so much of this guy visiting in the night and giving us presents that their parents basically said, all right, well, we'll just do that on Christmas Eve. Instead of on St. Nicholas Day Because we're Protestants We're not supposed to celebrate saints And that's where it got complicated So gift giving really comes out Of a whole different holiday It comes out of St. Nicholas And St. Nicholas was a wonderful guy Who helped kids Who saved kids from slavery By dropping m- coins in through their now, windows Now we're
0: talking about the real St. The Ni- there saint was Nicholas. a man Yes Nicholas who became uh, a saint
2: Fourth century He okay. was a real man He was an orphan His parents were wealthy And they died in a plague of some kind He went to the Holy Land Had a deep Deeply moving spiritual experience in the Holy Land came back went into the ministry full-time became the Bishop of Greece and he used the money that his parents left him to help kids and help the poor so, and, and the most famous story is there were there was a, a poor man who had three daughters and had no money for their dowry, which at that time you couldn't get married if you didn't have a dowry. Yeah, it was crucial. If you didn't get married, quite often you'd end up in slavery. Hmm. So he didn't want them to end up in slavery. So Saint Nicholas walked by their house in the middle of the night and tossed three bags of coins in through their window. Now the legend then became they fell into their stockings that the three girls had hung up to dry uh, after washing them. Okay. And that story spread throughout Europe and started the practice. First of all, he became a saint saint nicholas uh, and it started saint nicholas day which started the practice of hang up your stockings because saint nicholas if you're a good kid if you're a good girl or good boy saint Mm -hmm. nicholas will come by and throw something through the window into your stockings and kids love that so much see and that's where it gets tricky because i have christian friends who say we're not even we won't even say santa You know, we won't let our kids say Santa. I was just
0: going to observe that St. Nick sounds a whole lot like today's (laughs) Santa Claus. Yes,
2: yes. And that's where the legend came from, because kids were celebrating St. Nicholas. And then at the Protestant Reformation, we said, nope, nope, no more St. Nicholas. In fact, the Puritans in Massachusetts, if you said the word St. Nicholas, would fine you five shillings.
0: So it was, it, there was a penalty for even bringing up the name of St. <laughs> yes, Nicholas, despite yes. the great and, and historical is, this background is, This here. is
2: the funny part, because I'm you know, i thinking, we got to get rid of all this materialism. Let's go back to Christmas the way the Puritans celebrated it. The Puritans made it illegal to celebrate Christmas in Boston in the 17th century hmm. when they were in control because it was Catholic. And, and if, if you sang a Christmas carol, you got a five-shilling fine.
0: Oh, my goodness. Okay, so we can't go back to the Puritans. So you can't go back to the Puritans. Um, How about, oh, I don't know, 1800, 1900? (laughs) Then you you, you had the beginning of St.
2: Nicholas turning into Santa Claus, which happened with Dutch immigrants. Dutch immigrants came over, and they brought the tradition of St. Nicholas. Um, The Germans had thrown away St. Nicholas and were now waiting for Christkindl to come visit them, which meant Christchild. So then everyone came to America, and everything got all muddied together. So we had the Germans waiting for Christkindl, which turned into Kris Kringle. I was just going to ask. Yes, another name for Santa Claus. We had the British waiting for Father Christmas, who looks just like Kris Kringle and just like St. Nicholas. Hmm. The Dutch in New York, especially when it was New Amsterdam, the kids were still putting out their wooden shoes waiting for St. Nicholas, who in Dutch was Sinterklaas. That's sounds Dutch for St. Like... Nicholas, which sounds a whole lot like Santa Claus. Wow. Yeah.
0: You you have just taken uh, <laughs> hundreds of years of of history and practice and theology and, uh, and religion, and you've whirled it all together. My mind is spinning, <laughs> Phil. But what I hear you saying is that Christmas didn't have particularly religious or non-religious roots it, as we... Uh, at least as we practice it now. What we practice
2: today is a combination of a lot of different traditions that developed in Europe and all came over with immigrants and melted together. Mm -hmm. So just like we're a melting pot ethnically, we're a melting pot of traditions. And so we added our own on top of the the Sinterklaas and and the Kris Kringle and the Father Christmas. And then because it it used to be on December 7th, but we don't do that because we're Protestants, so we moved it to Christmas Eve, and that made the real complication. So if you go back to the early church they did, didn't celebrate Jesus' birthday. Okay. And the reason but, well, they didn't, why? didn't celebrate, because they didn't celebrate any birthdays. Mm. In the Roman Empire, no one really cared what day you were born on. It just wasn't that big a deal. So birthdays were not celebrated. The center of church history of the church calendar was always Easter. You know, for Christians, Easter is mm-hmm. the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Christmas kind of becoming bigger than Easter is a fairly recent development and has more to do with the popularity with children than with anything else. So what I've tried to do with my kids is really kind of shift some of that emphasis back to Easter, you know, because it's very hard to do Christmas without the focus on presents. Mm -hmm. Oh, totally. I mean, as you said, if you don't
0: move to a desert island, it's going to be impossible. And if
2: you try to do it, if you shut out all the the elves and the the Santa and the presents and all that, you just, you look like Scrooge, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) and you feel bad about yourself. You know, so we've got some Christians that say, you know, well, we'll never mention Santa and we're just, you know, 100% Jesus. And we've got other Christians say, oh, come on. I had so much fun with that when I was a kid. Mm, Don't take... All the traditions. Yes, don't take Santa away. So what we've done in our family is is kind of try to turn Santa back into St. Nicholas.
0: Phil Vischer has so much knowledge about this subject. It's impressive. And we're going to hear more from that conversation with him in just a moment or two you know we're a week now into the advent season and Diane when you think of advent what are some of the favorite things you like to do with your kids and now your grandchildren.
1: Well, you know, I love to get those little advent calendars that have the little doors that you open, and seeing what's inside is always a treat. One of the things that we do with that is we've already set up our nativity scene, and so whoever gets to open the door on that particular day, because they take turns, also gets to move the wise men. Now, we start them way in the back of the house, because the wise men come from afar, <laughs> so they move them as far as they want, or in any direction they want, as long as the last person that opens the day, the wise men end up at the nativity scene, so we just want them to see that there was travels to get there, and it kind of enhances the whole story. So you have to vacuum around those things, you have to step over those things.
0: I'm picturing one of the wise men. Whoopsies, he's in the vacuum cleaner. Well, now. Hey,
1: well, they're big enough to where he can. <laughs> it's just the nighttime travels where you have to watch where they put them, but it just adds to the whole excitement of moving them along as they get closer yeah. to the nativity. Well, that's
0: fun. I like that. And if you want more fun ideas for your family and Preparing for the season, uh, we have an Advent calendar called Knowing Him by Name. There are no doors. It's downloadable. It's free. <laughs> it's online, but you, maybe you could, you know, print it and then cut I some did, doors John, into it. It's
1: right here in front of us. Yeah. I downloaded it. I love it already. The front page says Advent is a noun, the arrival of a notable person, thing, or Advent. I'm sorry. I never stopped to think of why we even why call, we call it advent. an Advent yeah, calendar. Nice. It's beautiful. I love it already.
0: Okay, well, get your copy right now at focusonthefamily.com slash christmasstories. All right, we have more from my conversation with Phil Vischer. Let's go ahead and hear about the story of Christmas. Uh, let me push back on this and just, I mean, speak to me, okay? I've got kids in the home. Yes. How do I put the emphasis on St. Nicholas? How can I do that? Uh, every time someone, well, t- first of all, tell them the story. And I should say, full disclosure, we have never done Santa Claus in my home. Never, ever. It's not because we had some deep, heartfelt resentment. Yeah. I enjoyed Santa Claus as a kid. But when we got married, we just looked around and said, you know, there's so much stuff. Right. And we don't need Santa bringing more. We have very generous relatives it's going to be plenty full under the Christmas tree, yeah. so let's just not do Santa Claus. <laughs> all right, so with that backdrop— Yeah, and we didn't do it, I, we didn't do it with our kids either, but, you know, I, I have very
2: strong Christian friends and, and families, you know, and a few people that have worked for me that their kids are eight or nine, and they're, they're still sustaining belief in Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. You know, and it always kind of knocks me back. And I say, R- really? You know, it's like, didn't you get the memo that we're not doing that <laughs> yeah. anymore? Didn't you, you know, like in 74 when we all decided that we weren't going to do that anymore? Yeah. You can tell the story of St. Nicholas because it helps unpack. It's so confusing for kids to go to church and hear about Jesus and then go home and turn on the TV and it's wall-to-wall Santa mm-hmm. and say, are we talking about the
0: same holiday? That's a good point. I don't think I've ever thought of that.
2: Yeah. And, and, and so can... rather than just saying, ignore it, ignore it, don't pay any attention, pay no attention to the man in the red suit. No, instead of doing that, unpack it hmm. and say, you know what? We aren't talking about the same holiday, Let's talk about the two different holidays that became Christmas. We have Jesus' birthday, which was called the Christ's Mass, and we have St. Nicholas Day, which was on December 6th until Martin Luther canceled it. And people loved it so much that we moved it over to Christmas Eve. And you can actually explain to kids, look, that part, that's the St. Nicholas part, and this is the
0: Jesus' birthday part. Hmm. Where does the Christmas tree fit into this <laughs> equation? Which yeah, part there, of
2: there Christmas so, is that about? I think as Christians, we can get so you know worried about, am I celebrating? celebrating this right? Am I doing this right? Yeah. And you, so you start looking around and say, okay, stockings. You know, somebody said, is that pagan? You know, am, it's like Halloween. Do I have to throw everything away? You know, because it's pagan. I, and that's what, a whole another conversation. That's a whole other conversation that we will not get into. Christmas trees, there was a long-standing tradition where evergreens were associated with new life mm-hmm. because they don't die. And winter, you know, back uh, 2,000 years ago, 3,000 years ago, was a scary thing. Yes. And you actually life wondered, and death. yes, wondered sometimes is the sun ever coming back? You know, or is green ever coming back? Is food ever coming back? Mm-hmm. And so they would celebrate uh, evergreen trees as a symbol of eternal life. So, but unfortunately, Germanic tribes also did things like to celebrate, they would say, this oak belongs to Thor. Uh, St. Boniface was called the missionary to the Germans, the missionary to Germany, sent from England, went to the Germanic tribes to teach them about Jesus, and he challenged them on this belief. They said, we have the oak of Thor and we sacrifice slaves on it. He said, I don't want you to do that anymore. He picked up an axe and he chopped down the oak of Thor. Oh, and they were probably quite offended by that. They were quite offended. And they said, well, Thor is going to strike you dead. And he didn't. Nothing happened. And they said, well, wait a minute. What does this say about Thor? And so Boniface said, look, you need a new symbol. Look at the fir tree. The fir tree is evergreen. It represents eternal life. The shape of it points to heaven. It's pointing to God. And later on, it was reported that he actually used the triangular shape of the fir tree to teach the The trinity. Trinity. The the three points of the fir tree Mm -hmm. could, could explain the trinity. So he used the fir tree as a missionary tool in Germany. And Germans, as they adopted to Christianity, stopped you know, saying that's the Oak of Thor and that's the Oak of Odin, and instead started cutting down fir trees and bringing them into their houses and actually hanging them from the ceiling was what they did first to celebrate Jesus.
0: Isn't that amazing? Uh, some of the stuff that goes into our traditions, it makes so much more sense when you know the, the backstory. Um, Diane, Phil talked about How to Tell Younger Children, the Story of St. Nicholas, and I loved his perspectives how have you handled telling your grandchildren about the story of Jesus, and, and how do you do that?
1: You know, one thing that we did when our kids were little, and now that tradition is carrying on, is that we turn all the lights out in the house except for the tree. And I've got, um, a, you know, a baby book of all of the kids, and we lay on the floor with just the lights twinkling, and we go through the baby book, and we remember, here you are in the ultrasound, here you are when you're one, here you are. And we talk about the importance of them coming into the world and how important it is that Jesus came into the world. And he came so that we could have life eternal. You have come so that you too can have life eternal because of this baby that was born. Mm. Their importance linked with his importance. And it's something that my grown-up kids can't wait For me to do with their children, because it carries on that memory of, oh, that's so warm, and it's so engaging, and and it's just meaningful to them.
0: I appreciate that. It really is an opportunity to give the greater story of Jesus, um, not to fast forward to Easter too much, but we (laughs) always pull Easter into our Christmas conversations, because as you said, that's why he came, to bring eternal life through his death and resurrection. And helping kids understand that big Jesus story is really important. And if you don't know what we're talking about here, if you don't have um, that eternal life, the assurance of eternal life in Christ, let us introduce you to Him. Uh, call one eight hundred A Family, or stop by the website. We'll put up a little booklet, a downloadable booklet um, called "Coming Home: An Invitation to Join God's Family." We'd Love to tell you more about how you can enjoy Jesus in a special way this year because you know him. Now, as we've said, we have a lot of resources for you at the website. We've got that downloadable Advent calendar, and we have an Adventures in Odyssey fun pack. And you can give your child that for Christmas. It's filled with devotionals and Christmas cards and activities you can do. Uh, find that and the Advent calendar we mentioned earlier at focusonthefamily.com slash Christmas stories. Well, next week on this podcast, we'll be talking about how you can deal with family dynamics during the holidays. I love in 1 Corinthians one ten. it says, I appeal to you brothers that all of you agree with one another so that there may be no divisions among you and that you may be perfectly united in mind and thought. That should be the goal for every couple as they're heading to a family gathering. How are we going to stay united? How are we gonna stay as a team? How do you need me to support you? If you talk about that, see, you get then all those expectations out in the open and that's how you make this experience successful. Dr. Greg Smalley joins us next time. And for now, on behalf of Diane ngolia and the entire team, thanks for listening to the Christmas Stories Podcast from Focus on the Family.